So the scripture this morning is Romans 15:13. It's just one verse and I don't know I don't think I can read it the way it needs to be read. I'm going to read it, but I want you guys to just take a second and look at this verse. Um, I think they're going to have it up on the screen. Read the words and let the Holy Spirit apply it to your heart the way it needs to be applied. If you could stand for the reading of God's word, please. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Amen. I intended to do this earlier, and um, now I let me preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a creature of habit. I am. Um, you know, in my college days when I ran, you know, I had a, a three-mile route, and I never varied. I ran the same route. I had a six-mile route. It never varied. I never got bored with it. I was, I'm a creature of habit. I like to sit in the same place, in the same pew every Sunday. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I just take the same route to places where I'm going to go all the time. So uh, I understand that some people are comfortable with their place in the pew where they sit. But boy, we look awful spread out this morning. <laughs> and I would encourage, if you would, maybe let's, uh, can we, you know, form a, something that looks a little more like a, a crowd today, okay? I would appreciate that. Um, thank you, uh, Becky, for the challenge you laid out for us this morning. Um, I laid a, a, a challenge similar to that, I don't know how long ago. And uh, our, our high five is a high 12. We decided to pray for our neighbors. Um, we, we have a, a house right next door. It's got five guys in it, five single young men. And... Um, and then additional neighbors, some couples, some singles that we pray for. And it's, uh, we pray for their salvation. Um, among other things, we pray a number of things for them. So uh, that, that's something I think we need to be aware of, um, is to be praying for the salvation of those that God lays on our hearts. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be back in my pulpit again. <laughs> Not really mine, but anyway. Um, I'm going to preach a series of topics of which I intended to preach during Advent, but I will tell you that this isn't really Christmas-themed. I'm going to talk about hope, peace, joy, and the last one is kind of up in the air. Love, maybe light. I'm not sure how that's going to come together yet. Um, and and even though we say, and it's true, that Jesus came to be and bring these things, they're not just for Advent, are they? Uh, they're for all year round, they're for all life long. So today we're going to begin with hope. 
Now, we live in a time when people are, are, I think, many people are in desperate need of hope. And again, just thinking about what's happened with those fires recently, it hits, hits home even more. And I think it's understandable that people are in need of hope when you consider uh, the COVID pandemic and, you know, mask mandates and some of the isolation that's taken place and, and the fear that many people are experiencing because of this disease. And then because of COVID, we've seen this fallout um, in, in failing businesses, in, in the loss of jobs, and now because of that, the financial pressure that some people are feeling be, because of those other things, those, that domino effect. And then you add to that just the stuff of life that we deal with very often, um, struggling relationships, people who are wrestling with addictions, or beyond COVID, that medical diagnosis that left them battling a disease that's even scarier than COVID is. And again, what our neighbors to the south have dealt with and experienced as a result of those devastating fires that ended in the loss of home and possessions for many people, everything they own, they got out with the clothes on their backs. And for many, these kinds of hardships, these trials, these tribulations, these devastations lead to a sense of hopelessness. And that's understandable, I think, when the foundation of your life is built on what you own or how healthy you are or how much you have in your bank account or your retirement fund or whatever. So when those things are gone, hope is lost. But I think there are Christians who in these same circumstances might tend to lose hope as well and really that should not be and here's why. We get to experience life with hope because of Jesus. In Jesus, we have reason to hope. I, I love the, the song selection today because it, it just blends so well with, with the direction I'm going to go this morning. Uh, uh, the scripture that Dean read really is just an introduction to a, a main body of scripture that I'm actually going to dissect this morning. And, and that scripture that Dean read tells us that God is a God of hope and He wants us to overflow with hope. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. We have been called to be people of hope. Okay, so God wants us to know hope, to overflow with hope. The question then is, what are the reasons for that hope? That is the question you have, right? <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you asked. So I want you to, and it's going to be on the screen, I think. I want you to turn, if, if, you, if you've got a Bible, there are some in the pews I know, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, 
verses 1 through 5. Dean, the, pa- the scripture you read is an introduction to this. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So I want to uh, share with you five reasons for hope this morning. And we need to remember who Paul is writing to here. He's writing to the church at Rome. The believers in the church at Rome, the people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. That's who he's addressing here. And I love the, that song we sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So five reasons for hope. Number first one. Therefore, since we have been justified. Do you know what the enemy of hope is? It's despair. And despair comes because of guilt and shame or loss. And, and well, and those things result in rejection and pain. Satan loves to keep us there, doesn't he? Um, a pastor's wife, a former pastor's wife's wife's called it navel gazing. This navel. This is all we see. And, and Satan loves to keep us there, to, to beat us up with that mindset. He wants us to be hopeless. And we can get stuck there. By the way, that's one of the great things I appreciate about Celebrate Recovery is the efforts you make to get people unstuck. But folks, we have been justified by the Father. This guilt and shame thing that some people live with, they've asked Christ for, for forgiveness, but they're still carrying this thing around, this mindset. Guilt, shame... And, and, and so, because of that, they re- feel rejected and, and the pain that comes with that. But we've been justified by the Father. That's what Paul tells us here. And that's something we can rest in. Did you know that uh, justification or justified is really a legal term? And in this case, it speaks of the judicial act of God by which He grants us, here we go, full pardon of guilt. All guilt. Full pardon of all guilt. Yes, we should be shaking our heads. That's not all. He releases us from the penalty of sin. And that's not all. 
He accepts us as righteous. And it's pretty quiet in here. <laughs> Folks, that means that if Jesus is our Savior, when we stand before God someday, He will not pull out His tally book and recite every sin that we have ever committed. He will not condemn us. He will not declare us guilty. No, He'll wrap his gavel, I guess that's what judges do, and he'll say, justified. You know, someone, is just, uh, someone has defined justified as meaning just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God will see us, because of Jesus Christ. To be justified means that we stand right before the Father. And because of that, we can have hope in life and in death. We're justified because of the Son. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We have hope because we're justified. The second thing, we have hope because we have peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It, it just comes back to Jesus all the time, doesn't it? Because we have been justified, we now have peace with God. God is the last person that you don't want to have peace with. Right? And folks, because we have peace with God, we are no longer enemies. We are now friends. Don't... You know, one of the songs I really like um, is that song, I Am a Friend of God. Let, let me share the words with you, who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me, it's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. That's because we have peace with God. And, and the reason I like this song is because to me it's so amazing that I am a friend of God. Think about that. Listen, I'm not a friend of the mayor. I'm not a friend of the governor. I'm not a friend of the president. But I'm a friend of the ruler of the universe. Woo. And because we have peace now, we are accepted by God. We have peace. We're no longer enemies. We're friends. We are accepted, and because we are accepted, we are acceptable. And some people, it, it goes back to what I was talking about before, the guilt and shame, and, and we looked back on our lives and we said, oh, but I did this, and I said this, and I treated people this way, and, and we carry that. But folks, because we have peace with God, because we're justified, we're accepted, and because we're accepted, we are acceptable. God says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're acceptable. 
And folks, because we have peace with God, God's wrath has been turned away from us. Again, the last person you want, you don't want to have peace with is God. But the wrath of God, because we have peace with Him through Jesus Christ, has been turned away from us. In, in verse 9 of Romans chapter 5, it says, since, since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him, through Jesus Christ? See, it's what Jesus did for us when He shed His blood on the cross. He took the wrath of God upon himself so that we would not have to. Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, that reconciliation, that restoration of relationship, that peace that we now have with God, gives us hope. We're not only friends, we are members of His family, we're His children, we're heirs and co-heirs with His Son, Jesus Christ. We have hope because we have peace with God. The third thing is we have hope because we have access. There's a story told of a little boy in London who approached the palace because he wanted to see the king. And as he approached the gates to the palace, he was stopped by a very stern-looking guard who asked him what he wanted. And when the little boy explained that he wanted to see the, the king, the the guard told him that, that in no uncertain terms that that would not happen. There was just no way. The little boy turned away, downcast, and as he did, a well-dressed man came along, approached him, and asked the little boy what the problem was. The boy said, I want to see the king, but the guard won't let me in. The gentleman said, well, just come with me, and he took the little boy by the hand and led him through the palace gates. And as he did, the guard snapped to his attention, presented arms. They went up the steps to the palace. They went down the richly carpeted hallway into a room where sat the king. The man who had taken the little boy by the hand was the Prince of Wales, the king's son. And because he held the hand of the son, the little boy had access to the king. See, it's all about the son, isn't it? We have access to God because of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And when he takes us by the hand and leads us into the presence of the king... We are welcomed there because of the Son. Amen? And then we have hope because we have assurance. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we 
Now stand. Now stand. Not will stand, not did stand, but present tense. Where we now stand. This is not a thing of the past or the future. It is right now. Every reason for hope that I have talked about so far is right now. And because we now stand, that is our assurance. We now stand in these things. We have hope because of justification, because of access, because we are at peace with God. We now stand in those things. Remember the song we used to sing? Blessed Assurance. Want to join me? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Wonderful, isn't it? In Ephesians 3.12 it says, In Him, in Christ, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We have assurance of that, don't we? And aren't you, aren't you glad that we can do that? We have access to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I just think of how amazing that would have been to the ancient Jews. And, and the, the temple structure and the holy place and the, uh, and the holy of holies and, and the restrictions. There was the Gentiles court and the women's court and then the men's court. And, and, but there was this holy place where the presence of God dwelt that only the high priest could enter and only once a year. And they, they tied a rope around his ankle in case he didn't have his act all together and died in the presence of God and went had, because nobody could go in to get him. He'd have to be dragged out. Folks, we could come into the very presence of God because of what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to go to somebody and say, by the way, could you take a message to God for me? We have access to the Father. And... Number five, we have hope because, and I didn't know what word to use here, so I use the word potential. You're thinking, what? At the end of this, Paul writes, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Excuse me? Rejoice in our sufferings? Well, that's because in Christ we see hardship through a different lens. Or we should. Remember this passage of Scripture, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and are, have been called according to His purpose. 
Do we really believe that? Even in the worst life brings our way, even when your house and everything you owned is gone, do we believe that? And, and, and Paul breaks down here in this passage the good that comes from the things we suffer. See, the tribulation, the pressure that we undergo produces patient endurance, perseverance. And patient endurance of the things we suffer are are experiences that we go through that produce character or Christian maturity in our life, character that's proven. and, and, And when that happens, then it produces hope in us. Those are the good things that come out of this. Someone has said the road to maturity is paved with struggle. Many of you could testify to that. What we need to be cautious of here is falling into the thinking that these things we suffer are a punishment from God of some kind. This explains what he's doing. But there's that thought that, that some people have that, well, because I'm going through this difficult physical challenge or financial loss or or a fire that's lost everything, that God is punishing me somehow. No, no, no. Jesus took our punishment for us. Did He not? Jesus took our punishment for us. We have hope because in our suffering there is this potential for development of growth, of character, of spiritual maturity, of Christ-likeness. And the end result is that through it all, we have hope for this life and the next. And that is the goal, isn't it? So we are people of hope. We are people of hope. And because we are people of hope, we have a hope to share. Folks, there are plenty of folks out there who need to know that there's hope beyond the stuff we own or the money we have or our ability to do certain things or our health or a list of any other things we tend to invest our lives in and put our hope in and that are so temporal and can be gone when a fire that's pushed by 100 mile an hour winds takes everything that you have. We are people of hope. And because we're people of hope, we have a hope to share. Amen? Um, Would those who will be serving communion 